I wonder if you've heard the statement or the comment from somebody once any time in your life where they've said when you squeeze a lemon, you get lemon juice. And uh, really the, the implication there is that once somebody is put under pressure, only bad things come out, you know, the, the sourness comes out of somebody under pressure. And actually, that's not biblically true. And I wanted to have a little bit of a look at that today because you might be in a situation in your life, or, well, I think most of us are in Melbourne at the moment, where we feel like we're under pressure. There's pressures that are pushing at, on us and at us from every angle during this season and they're pressures that we haven't expected or uh, really wished upon ourselves in any way, shape or form. And certainly for me, over these past months, I have felt like the pressures have started to cause some ugliness to come out of me, some not so pleasant parts of myself, things that I don't particularly like about myself or things that I don't particularly want people to see. And there was a period of time where I was starting to question this a lot. And, you know, I'm saying to the Lord, why is it that uh, I am I am pressing into you so much more during these times. I'm reading scripture more. I'm I'm working on my own mental health more. I'm working on my spiritual well-being more. And yet, all of these ugly feelings, these ugly thoughts, these ugly things seem to be coming out of me. That the parts of me that I don't like, the parts of me that I I don't want people to see. And uh, and as I started to process this. I was led to um, this passage in 1 Peter chapter 1 and starting from verse 6 and it says this, Lately you have had to put up with the grief of many trials, but these only reveal the sterling core of your faith, which is far more valuable than gold that perishes, for even gold is refined by fire. Your authentic faith will result in even more praise and glory and honour when Jesus the Anointed One is revealed. Now, the context that we have for uh, this particular passage of Scripture is that Peter was writing to a group of people who were under persecution. They had a really difficult life. Uh, A lot of them had been exiled out of Rome, um, and they were oppressed in the society that they were living in at the time. They were followers of Jesus. They were from all different kinds of backgrounds, but they were facing pressure. They were facing difficulty. And for some of them, they may have been in a situation, certainly from the way that Peter writes, it sounds like they were in a situation where they were starting to question, well, hang on a second, my my faith uh, is actually, it's meant to be bringing me through this, but in some ways what it's doing is it's pulling out of me these failures, this this feeling of pressure, this feeling of um, the the difficulties and the parts of myself that I don't like, and they're all coming up to the surface. And... I'm feeling a little bit like a failure in my faith. But the the fabulous thing about what Peter is saying to these these people, these churches that he's writing to, he's saying, uh, you've had to put up with the grief of many trials. But then he says, these only reveal the sterling core of your faith, which is far more valuable than gold that perishes, for even gold is refined in the fire. And what I love here is that he's actually saying to them, in the midst of this pressure, in the midst of this difficulty, in the midst of the hardships that you're facing, when you see those things start to come to the surface in yourself, when you see those those difficulties and, and the challenges starting to press you and you start to feel maybe like a little bit of lemon juice is coming out, I want to remind you that actually it's because your faith is so precious that you're going through these hard things and God is using the hard times and God is using the challenging times to actually refine you, to refine your faith, to make you a better person, to make you more like him. And I really really believe that for us uh, at the moment in this time, 
if you follow Jesus, if you are somebody who says you have a faith in God and you want to follow him, you may be seeing things within yourself, within your own soul that you're not that impressed with, but it doesn't mean to say that you are failing. Actually, what God may be doing is he might be using this time and this pressure to refine you. You see, when our faith is tested, it's not a sign of failure, but it's a sign of how precious it is and that God is working to refine it. Peter doesn't want his readers to see their trials as a testament to their inadequacy. He wants them to see their faith as gold that is worth God's time. It's worth God's refinement process. Gold at the, the time was the most precious metal available. And, uh, and, and so it was refined. There was a goldsmith and they would spend time refining the gold so that it was pure and it was worth more. And, and so Peter uses this as his example. Now, I, I know through um, this period of time as well, and, and you would have had similar experiences if you live in metropolitan Melbourne, uh, where we started off with these restrictions with COVID and, and we kind of, it, it was new and it was scary. And then we sort of got used to it and we stepped out of that time for a period of time and then we had to go back into it. And every time there has been an extended lockdown, every time there's been a lockdown of any kind, really, I have felt these things starting to come to the surface. And there was a, a day when I was listening, I was actually listening to a podcast that was talking about the refinement process. And I was out walking and it was my first walk with a mask. And uh, and one of the things that I've loved through all of this experience um, has been the extended time that we've been able to have to walk. I love to walk. I've got a couple of dogs and uh, and I take them out and I just, I, I pound the footpath. I listen to podcasts. I listen to scripture. I pray. I chat to some people sometimes. And, uh, and so it's been really in the first lockdown, it was my joy to get out and just walk. And then the, the, the second lockdown happened and I went out walking with a mask and I'm, I'm walking and I'm listening to a podcast talking about refinement. And I was so frustrated because my glasses were fogging up, I was hot, and all of these things were, you know, I was getting angry. And as I'm walking and I'm pounding the footpath and it's getting heavier and heavier, and I, I, I was just angry and frustrated at the time. And at the same time, coming through my ears was this message about God's refining process. And I realized what God was actually doing was he was allowing this fire that was turning up, this heat that was turning up on me to actually expose some stuff within me that needed to be changed or that he needed to refine. Uh, there's this this um, metaphor all the way through scripture of the refining process. It, it happens again and again. In Malachi chapter 3 um, and verse 2, it says, But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and like silver. And so God is actually somebody who sees opportunity in hardship. <laughs> he sees opportunity in challenge. And he sees us as precious and worth taking through some of the hardships and some of the, the heat and the fire of life so that he can bring us to a place where we are purer, where we are better, so long as we're prepared to cooperate with him. And as I was uh, looking at this process of refining and, and what a refiner actually does, what a, a, a goldsmith does, um, through this process and, and the ancient process of refining gold, um, it's a very methodical process. What they do is they, the refiner sits really close to the crucible, they sit right next to it, 
and they never leave its side. They place the metal inside the crucible and then they just turn up the heat gently. And what happens is that the refiner actually feels the heat themselves because they never leave the crucible. They make sure that they're right there. They don't want the heat to be too hot for it to mar the metal or mar the gold. And so they don't want any scarring to happen. And so they they sit there patiently feeling the heat as well. And they turn up the fire gently. And what happens is that the impurities start to come out of the gold and they, they rise to the top. And this is called dross. And what happens is that the refiner starts to scoop the dross off the top and just uh, throw it away. And so the metal stays there and, and the heat starts to turn up more and more and more and more. And the impurities keep coming to the top and, and the refiner scrapes the dross off the top and throws it away. And so effectively what's happening is that you've got this, uh, this metal, this gold, that is in this heat process in the fire uh, and, and it's, it's turning up and yet all of the impurities float away. All of the impurities just come to the top and the refiner gets to scrape them off and take them away. And as I think about that in regard to myself and, and the way that God might want to refine me, I think, okay, well then if this stuff is coming out of me, then that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing because that's allowing him then to scrape the dross off the top of my life, scrape those impurities off the top of my life so that I might be a better version of myself. And the refiner continues to, to scrape the dross away, to turn up the fire gently, and he takes the greatest pains with the most precious of metals. The more precious the metal, the hotter the fire. The more precious the metal, the longer it takes. The length of time of the, the pressure and the, the difficulty and the challenge for us, uh, sometimes when it extends for longer, that just shows what Peter was saying, that there is a preciousness about who we are and what God is trying to do in us. And then I love this. There's this ultimate climax moment where the refiner decides that it's time to turn off the fire and to take the metal out. And he decides this by holding up the metal. And when he can see his face reflected in the metal, that's when he knows that it's time to turn off the fire. And I love that. That's so profound to me. Because what that is saying to me is that when God is working on us, what he's looking for is for us to be a reflection of his face. For us to actually show his face reflected in our lives, reflected in the way that we live out our lives. And so as the dross is coming up in our lives and it's being scraped off, as the dross comes out, as the impurities come out, all of those things that we don't particularly like about ourselves that we prefer that people didn't see, as that starts to come out and, and God scrapes that off the top of our lives, what he's doing is he's building within us an opportunity to be able to see his face reflected in who we are. And when I think about it like that, my response is, Lord, I want you to do that <laughs> because I want to see your face reflected in my life. I want you to be reflected in who I am. When people see me and they speak to me and they encounter me, I want to see your face reflected out of me. And I want them to be able to see you reflected out of me as well. You see, God will use any time of pressure to refine us so that we can reflect his character. I remember a few years ago, our son um, was 
he was collecting footy cards. He likes to do that every year. It's been a little more difficult this year, but he likes to collect footy cards. And there was this one footy card that he got, and he said it's a it's a glow in the dark footy card. And he was super excited about it. But we were in the car and it was dark, it was night time and we were heading home. And uh, and he pulls the card out of the packet and he says it's a glow-in-the-dark card but it's not glowing. And he, he says it's broken, you know, there's something wrong with it. And I said to him, darling, no, you actually have to, you have to turn the light on. You've got to hold it up to the light. And once you hold it up to the light, then it will f- reflect the light. And it was one of those moments where the lights kind of came on for me as well. As I realised, actually, you know, when God is calling for us to reflect who he is, we have to be close to him. <laughs> we have to come close to him so that we can reflect his glory. We need to be near him so that we can reflect who he is. You hold it up to the light, and then when you take it away from the light, it continues to reflect the light. And that's what God does through us, especially through this refining process. You know, it's it's easy in a time like this to look at the situation we're in and to be so frustrated and so angry and to resent the time that we're in. But I want to encourage you today that if God is going to use this time and he's going to use it to help us reflect who he is, then maybe it's a good thing to grab hold of that and to cooperate with him and allow him to do that, to actually look and see what is it that he is doing in us and doing through us so that we can be a greater reflection of his face, of his character. It's actually, I believe, one of the things that God has been doing since the beginning of time is is trying to build uh, a people, build a group of people who follow him um, and build them into the kinds of people who will reflect his character to the world around us, uh, the kind of people who will follow him and understand who he is and be a good reflection of his face. And even right back at the very beginning of Scripture, again and again, we hear how God speaks to his people and he says, uh, I want you to behave like this. I want you to do this. I want you to act like that. And the goal, really, all the way through Scripture has been that his people would reflect his character to the world around them. Uh, There's a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 10, starting from verse 14, that says, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on you and your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. And then a little bit further down, he says, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing, and you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. You see what's happening here? God is speaking to his people, and he's saying to them, I want for you to be like I was to you to the world around you. He, he called them up out of Egypt and he, and he released them from slavery. And he's saying, now I want you to look for the people in your community. And he specifies three, three groups of people who were landless. Uh, he specifies the fatherless, the, the widow and the foreigner. He says, I want essentially for you to look for the people in, your, uh, in the world around you, in the community around you who have need And I want for you to respond to their need the same way that I've responded to your need when you were in need. And so he's saying exactly the same thing here. He's wanting for his people to reflect his character to the world around them. He's wanting to even bring them through situations and times that are difficult, where there is pressure, where sometimes it's going to feel like the lemon juice is coming out of that that lemon that's under pressure. 
so that he can refine them into the kind of people who will reflect his face to the world around them. That was the vision of Deuteronomy. It's the vision all the way through scripture, in fact, where God speaks to his people and he says, you act like this. And the reason behind it is he's wanting for his people to reflect his character to the world around them. I love that uh, the early church were known for this in Acts chapter 2. And verse 44, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. You see, this is the fulfillment of what God was talking about. He's, he's built this church of people. He's built this group of people who would follow Jesus. And, he, and what they start doing is they start caring for the sick <laughs> and they start caring for the needy and they start caring for widows and they start caring for the fatherless and they see the, the people in need around them in this, uh, this Roman Empire at the time that was oppressive to them, but they start responding to the needs of others. And what happened was that the early church started to reflect the character of God. They started to reflect the face of God. And these were people who were under enormous pressure at the time. These were people who were uh, oppressed by society. They were op oppressed by religion. They were uh, people who understood what pressure and the fire of refinement felt like. And yet they lived out this vision to be able to reflect God's character to the world around them. So I want to even encourage you today. What is it that God might be speaking to you about or leading you to do in your world that will reflect his character? Who are the people in your local area who have need? Who are the people that you can think of off the top of your head or creative ways that you can respond to the needs of others? Because you see, when you do that, you're reflecting God's face. When you do that, you're reflecting his character. We talked a little bit before about uh, this organisation that my husband and I run called ARC. And we engage people into foster care right across the country. There are currently 48,000 kids in out-of-home care in this nation. 10,000 of them are in Victoria. There are only 23,000 carers in the whole of Australia. But I'll tell you what, there's 1.6 million Christians. And if there's 1.6 million followers of Jesus who are tuning into church today, we can solve that gap. We can be the ones who step in and we can say, you know what? I want to be a reflection of God's face. I want to step in and make a difference. I see the kids, the needs of these kids who certainly didn't ask for these circumstances to happen to them. And we can be people who choose to jump into that and say, I want to make a difference because I want to be a reflection of the face of God. There are, is, there are a number of stories like this one, but I wanted to tell a story of a, a young boy who was brought into a foster care situation because of substance abuse with his parents. And uh, he was put into foster care and he was in there for a period of time. But his dad decided that he wanted to step in and make a difference in his own life. And he got himself clean. And he fought for his son to, to get his son back. And he managed to get his son back, which is awesome because that's the goal of foster care actually, is to reunify children with their biological parents when it's safe to do so. And so he, he got his, his son back and his son went back to live with him. But these amazing foster carers, followers of Jesus, who had had this child with them for a period of time, decided to come alongside that dad and to walk with him 
and to say, is there any way that we can help you? We're going to show you what it is to be a parent, how to raise kids. We're going to look after him on weekends for you, do some respite care for you. We're going to help you in every way that we can, and we're going to walk alongside you through that journey. You know, I, I can't think of a better example of people who reflect the face of God when they choose to engage in a situation that is challenging and hard, but they want to reflect his character to the world around them. And yet they did exactly that. That boy has uh, grown up now. He's, he's grown up in his biological family. He and his dad are doing brilliantly. And what an amazing thing that these people have done to be able to reflect the character of God. I wonder today in your situation, in, in, in your life, in your world, what is it that God is doing, not just in you, because he's absolutely doing things in you. He wants to use these hard times to refine you, to bring you a pl- to a place of purity, to allow that those impurities to, to float to the surface so that he can see his own face reflected in you. But in the midst of that, I wonder also what he's doing around you that he's leading you to so that you can bring hope to other people as you reflect his face to them. Because he is wanting to affect you and he's wanting to change you and he's wanting to bring hope to you. But I promise you, he is also wanting to bring hope to the world around you, through you. I wonder if you'd pray with me. Father, I thank you so much that you're a loving God. You don't leave us where we are. And I thank you as well that even through hardship and even through difficulty, you are always working on us. You don't leave us at the spot that we're at, but you seek to change us and to grow us and to renew us. And yes, sometimes to refine us. And sometimes we don't like the fire. We don't like the heat. We don't like the challenges. We don't like the difficulties around us. But Lord, if you're going to use this as an opportunity to change us and to make us more of a reflection of you, then it has to be a good thing. And so I pray, Lord, for your grace And I pray that you would continue the work that you've started in each of us. And I pray that you would show us ways that we can bring hope and reflect you to other people too. In Jesus' name, amen.